This sermon is titled My Mind Part 1 The Mind Imagination and Mental Health Be enriched as you listen We're uh, going to talk about I'll be retitling this series of messages simply My Mind and uh, we're going to spend some time learning from the word of God about our minds um now you know uh, we plan a lot of things ahead of time and uh, you know we plan to do these series messages sent it out to our pastoral team because we coordinate across all our five six locations including Mangalore and um now uh, past two days i was uh, ministering in uh, ambernath just suburb of mumbai I came back yesterday came home and uh, then amy came and told me uh do you re- do you know that monday the 10th of october is world mental health day i said no i didn't and uh, then she said yeah you better clarify it. otherwise people will think you're preparing your sermons based on <laughs> what's going around the world no so this all this was planned way ahead i didn't know that tomorrow is world mental mental health day none of that uh but amy just let me know and uh it's uh, it's it's nice that these things coincide uh that we could be talking about the mind from a biblical perspective of course and um and then you know the world is doing uh, its part in trying to help people in this area so as we build up this series of messages today we're going to talk about the mind uh imagination and mental health just kind of introduce that subject from a biblical perspective in the coming weeks we'll talk about different areas uh, that uh, all of us struggle with but our goal is to recognize that there are challenges but what is the bible way a god-given way to address those problems that you and i face in the area of our mind so we can take a biblical approach take the god-given principles the empowering of the holy spirit to address these challenges that we all face nobody's exempt uh from these things so we'll talk next week about concentration distractions and wandering what do you do with that i uh, will talk about temptations addictions and deceptions i uh, will talk about controlling your thoughts and training your thinking i'll talk about renewing our mind and renewed thinking uh we'll talk about over- overcoming negative thoughts you know all of us have to deal with that how to overcome negative thoughts we go through various situations in life and we've got to learn how to uh you know stay positive stay stay established in the promises of god and we'll talk about maintaining a positive mindset so all of these things we are going to approach it from the scriptures based on the word of god and so uh follow along with me Uh, you know in 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 the word now just just as a you know way to get started uh it's very interesting to know that uh, our our brain uh uh is this this physical organ the brain uh weighs about 1.3 kilograms and uh, is mainly made up of fat and water and uh, you know the human brain isn't fully formed until we're 25 and it starts developing from the back towards the front so the frontal lobes are the last to develop that's the part of our brain that deals with planning and reasoning so some of us parents understand our young adults <laughs> the the neurons the nerve cells there are about 100 billion neurons in our brain 
and uh, they could, you know, they form connections with each other called synapses, and uh, and uh, there are there are close to you know ten to the power of fourteen to ten to the power of fifteen connections in our brain, and. Uh, uh, so really, the brain's capacity to store information is almost unlimited. It's virtually unlimited. And these connections between these neurons, they get strengthened as we, through repetition, as they uh, fire synchronously, uh, they get strengthened. And that's why repetition and, and, and uh, you know, uh, just recall is, is one very important part of strengthening our memory because it strengthens these connections. It's very interesting that the electrical impulses that go through these nerve cells travel at the speed of, of about 268 miles an hour. That's pretty good speed. And, uh, you know, the energy that our brain, the electrical energy in our brain can act, it's about 23 watts of power. That's enough to power up a light bulb. And that's very interesting. So, as amazing as our brain is a physical organ, yet we all understand that there is this intangible aspect called the mind. The logic, the reasoning, the thinking, the imagination, the memory, that's the intangible part. So uh, uh, there is the physiological part, but then there is this intangible part that is so important. So although the brain itself, you know, of course, we are, people are studying it, trying to understand it. And then this mind aspect is also another big area that, uh, that is still being explored and trying to be understood. Now, we all know that there are challenges in the area of the mind. For example, physiologically, you can have, there is unlimited memory, but practically we all know. We, it doesn't happen that way. We forget. We have emotions. Uh, we feel things. Uh, sometimes we feel good. Sometimes we feel bad. Uh, and, and then we feel stressed. We feel overwhelmed. And all those kinds of things in the mind. And that's not something you just treat physiologically. It's an intangible part of our being. And yet a very real part. How do we address the challenges? The problems that we all experience in this intangible part, the mind. That's what we want to explore. Let's turn in our Bibles, first of all, to First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. We're going to spend our, a little bit of time in Scripture today. And not very, and we're not going to look at too many Scriptures, but stay with me, please. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. We come up on the screen as well. First Thessalonians 5, 23. Let's read that out together. I hope... Uh, those of you at the back can see the screen. Otherwise, uh, and we'll work on this, get these things a little bigger so uh, you can see the text uh, at the back of the hall. Uh, let's read it. First Thessalonians 5.23. Let's go. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be kept complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we've seen these words of Scripture many times before. What can we see in the Scripture? Let's keep the Scripture up. Um, first of all, we see that we are tripart beings. Every person is a spirit, soul, and body. Right? So, spirit, soul, 
body, spirit, pneuma, that part of us that connects with God or the spiritual world. Soul, Greek is suke, it's the mind, the will, and the emotions. And the body, soma, it's the outer man by which we connect with the physical world. So we see that. And he says, may the God of peace sanctify you wholly. And what I want to impress here on us is this, that God created us spirit, soul, and body. So God created your soul. He created your mind, your will, your emotions. God created, God designed and created our ability to think, reason, imagine, uh, remember our memories. He created all of that, all those mental faculties. So, the premise is, these things are good. We have to use them in the right manner. Amen? So sometimes we Christians behave as mindless people. Right? We don't use our logic. We don't use our thinking. No, your, your mind is not bad. God designed it. Your imagination is not bad. God designed it. Your ability to think and reason is not bad. God designed it. Use it. But we must learn how to use it properly. Are you all with me? Right? So uh, your mind is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's created by God and all the mental faculties. They're created by God. We just learn how, we must just learn how to use it. The next thing is, as we see, may the God of peace himself sanctify you. The word sanctify simply means to make holy. So God wants to make us holy, spirit, soul, and body. We are focusing on the soul, so let's talk about that. God wants the soul to be made holy, to be sanctified. That means He wants it to be hallowed, consecrated, set aside for His use. Are you with me? So that means in the world, the soul is being pulled in by all the wicked thoughts and evil things. And they want to occupy space in our mind ungodliness, ungodly things. They want to occupy space in our mind. But God is saying, look, I want to sanctify your soul. I want to make your soul holy. So that's what God wants to work in you and me. Imagine this, that your soul, your mind is holy grounds. Amen? It is no place for ungodly thoughts, no place for lustful thoughts, no place for you know, uh, unclean passions, no place for uh, uh, unclean fantasies, no place for that. Your soul, God wants it to be holy. So put your right hand up and say this with me. My soul is holy. My mind is holy ground. It's sanctified. It's consecrated unto God. Amen? That's a possibility if we let God work in us. You know, I, I know that for some of us, this is a big struggle. Maybe you're, you're, you've been in pornography for so many years and, you know, having a clean thought is a miracle. I say, look, how, is it possible that my mind can be holy ground? Yes, the God of peace can sanctify your soul. Amen? He can do that. For you and me. So that our mind becomes holy ground. So God wants to work in us in that manner. And then we also see here, the third thing we see is, he says that, that your spirit, soul, and body may be kept 
complete. It's very interesting to look at. Kept complete. The word kept has the idea of being protected. Protected. So God wants to protect, and we're focusing on the soul. God wants to protect your soul. Keep it complete. The word complete means to be sound, to be whole. So God wants to work in you and me in such a way that he can protect our soul so that it can be sound and whole. Now in the world, we're going to face things that hurt us in the area of our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions. We're going to face things that try to damage our soul. But the God of peace wants to work in you and me in such a way that the soul can be protected and kept sound and whole. Are you with me? Yes or no? God wants to do that. So that is God's desire. And that's what we want to, you know, journey through uh, as we go through the word of God over the several, next several weeks. So that we learn how we can protect our soul so that it is kept whole, sound, well. And, and, and in good condition. So God would work it with the, within us in this manner. So that eventually the goal is that when we meet Jesus, we'll be presented faultless and blameless. So God desires to work in us so that our soul can be kept holy and kept whole. Let's say this together. God desires to work in me so that my soul is kept holy and whole. Amen. Tell yourself that God wants to work in me so that my soul, which is this mental side of me, the mind, the emotions, the will can be kept holy and can be kept whole, sound, well. So when we talk about the mind, of course, we're talking about our thinking, our reasoning, our intelligence, our emotions, our imaginations and our memory. So I just want us to affirm this together. Let's say this with me. Uh, Let's say this together. The God of peace... Himself desires to work in me so that my thinking, reasoning, intelligence, emotions, and imaginations, and memory can be made holy and kept whole, sound, and in good health. Amen? So when you wake up in the morning, or whenever you feel like it, say it. God wants to work in me. To keep my mind holy and whole. Say that. That's the word of God. He wants to keep my imaginations, my reasoning, my thinking, my emotions, my appetites, my passions, my my memory. He wants to keep it holy. He wants to keep it whole. I say, God, I welcome you to do it. Do it in me. And he will do it by his word and by the work of his Holy Spirit. So, we're going to journey into this. Now let's talk a little bit about the importance of the mind and the imagination. You know, our, our mind, our imagination is so important for all of us. And, you know, these are just some common observations. Our thoughts determine our actions. Now we start thinking about something and most often we then proceed to doing that. We, um, we, it turns into actions and then actions determine behavior and then behavior becomes a lifestyle. So eventually a thought could become a lifestyle. Just think about that. Now if you entertain a thought, and if it is a wrong thought, and you've entertained it, first time it's an action, but then the thought repeats and you keep doing it, eventually that thought can become a behavior. 
in your life. A lifestyle for you and me. Just a thought. Our thoughts affect our emotions. Uh, a wrong thought, a, a negative thoughts. You, know, you may be feeling great. You woke up in the morning and one wrong thought, one negative thought impinges on your mind. And there you go from a scale of 99, zip, and you feel down. What happened? Just one negative thought impinged on your mind. You don't even know where it came from. And now you feel down and out. All zest gone. Emotions down. And, uh, uh, you know, so our, 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 the emo- our, our emotions, our thoughts affect our emotions. And our emotions affect our life. Spiritual, mental, physical. You may have woken up this morning. Say, I'm going to pray for three hours. And you woke up in the morning. And at that right moment, as you're getting ready to pray, one thought. And whatever you planned to do in prayer could have gone. But you and I must learn how to control our thoughts. Amen? You can't prevent those negative thoughts from coming, but you and I can learn how to deal with those negative thoughts and not let those negative thoughts dictate what we do in life. Are you with me? We can learn to do that. But we must understand the importance of these thoughts. Our imaginations can either energize us or impair us. Our imagination is so powerful. Thank God for the imagination. In your imagination, you can go into a future that, that you can envision with God and by the Holy Spirit and say, that's the future I'm working for. You know, whatever it is, if you're a software developer, in your mind, you've already designed the whole product and you're, you're excited about that. You may be writing your first line of code. But you envision the end result. You may be, you know, uh, building a business. And in your mind, you've already envisioned what your business is going to look like. And you're on day one, just starting your business. But that imagination energizes you and helps you journey through to reach your destination. So our imagination is so powerful. But it can also impair somebody even before they get started. But God created our imagination and we must learn how to use our imagination to our advantage and for the glory of God. The beautiful thing is this, that the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And when the Spirit of God speaks to us, you know, God uses our mental faculties. Let me just back up a bit. You know, our our mental faculties are important for all activities of life. So whatever you, you know, our, our faculties, our ability to think, reason, our, solve problems, analyze, uh, forecast, all these things are very important for all activities of life. And so learning how to develop these things and, and intentionally develop, developing these things are good because you're going to be able to glorify God by developing your mind and the faculties that God has given to us. Uh, what's in our spirits? It's normally released through our souls and bodies. So the Holy Spirit, the way He communicates to us, He communicates to us in our spirit, but eventually it comes into your soul, your mind. Your mind recognizes it. Your mind processes it, processes it, and your mind needs to test it. So whatever you feel you're picking up in your spirit is eventually processed in your mind. Are you with me? So our mind needs to be renewed, and it needs to be kept sanctified, and it needs to be trained to recognize when God speaks. That's why mind is important. And uh, God uses our mental faculties in His process of communication with us. Dreams and visions are the language of the Holy Spirit. So 
you know, when the Holy Spirit wants to communicate to you and me, He often uses dreams and visions, which are faculties of our minds. Are you listening? Now is not the time to dream. But He does use dreams and visions to speak to us. And we, it comes in, you know, a, a dream comes, a vision comes, and the Holy Spirit is giving it to you. But we must learn how to receive it and then process it. So for all these reasons, our mind, the mind of a believer, uh, 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 and you know, for all of us, it is important. But we also recognize that there are problems in the mind. You know, many of us face challenges in our mind. Uh, you know, we could have anger issues. We could have problems with our ability to concentrate. And uh, sometimes our mind is full of negative thoughts. Uh, we uh, we could be struggling with addictions, uh, appetites that are you know that are given to wrong things that are controlled by wrong things. It could be fear, anxiety. Uh, sometimes there's a poor self-image. Uh, we suffer from self-esteem, a low self-esteem. Sometimes there could just be denial, deception. There could be strongholds. Could be strongholds of lustful thoughts. Uh, sometimes stronghold of you know spending money. You get your m- money uh, beginning of the month, and a couple of days is gone. And, and, and some people struggle with things like that. Uh, it could be uh, suicidal tendencies, tendencies for self-harm, all kinds of problems that we have that people face. So our goal is to know how the, how the God of peace wants to work in us so that He can bring our mind, our soul, to a place of holiness and wholeness. Amen? We're going to learn that together. Today, I want to just present to us three states or three conditions of the mind that we see in Scripture. The Scripture talks about three conditions or states of the mind. It talks about the natural mind, the carnal mind, and the renewed mind. Can we say that together? The natural mind, the carnal mind, and the renewed mind. Three, three conditions, three states in which the mind can be. And I'll, we'll look at this in scripture. So as a believer, you could be operating with a natural mind. And we all must use our natural mind. The fact that you came in this morning, you came in here because of your natural mind. Meaning you got up, you got ready, maybe you had your breakfast, you decided how you're going to come in here, you got into your vehicle, you drove carefully here, and you came and seat, were seated here. That's your natural mind at work. We all need to use our natural mind to engage with the natural world that we live in. Then there is the carnal mind. We will see in scripture that the carnal mind is a mind that is focused on satisfying the ungodly desires of the flesh, the body. So the body, uh, soma, the body, has desires. There are good desires and there are ungodly desires, evil desires, appetites. The evil desires in, in, the, in the New Testament is referred to as the word flesh. So when you think about flesh, don't think about mutton and chicken. <laughs> it's referring to the evil desires of the soma, the evil desires of the body. 
right? ungodly desires. That's the word sorx, flesh in Greek. So the carnal mind, a believer having a carnal mind, his mind is set on satisfying those desires. So that's a carnal mind. Whereas a renewed mind or a spiritual mind, as the Bible talks about it, is a mind that is set on the ways and thoughts of God. So as, a, as believers, we must learn to transition between natural mind and renewed mind or spiritual mind. Are you with me? As believers, we must learn to transition from natural to the renewed. Skip the carnal. <laughs> we have to be renewed so that we skip the carnal. If we get trapped in the carnal, that's when we do all the wrong things. So as believers, we, we transition. I'm in the natural mind now. I'm just making some natural decisions. What I'm going to eat or clothes to wear, fine. And then there are moments when I need to transition into the renewed mind, the spiritual mind. Think along the thoughts and the ways of God. Are you all with me? Now let's look in the scripture now uh, to uh, understand these things. Let's go to First Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 14. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Let's read it together, please. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So the natural man is the man who is confining himself to his natural senses. You know, we have these five natural senses, what we see here, feel taste and touch, or uh, five natural senses, I repeated taste and feel, but uh, five natural senses, the natural man is limiting himself to these natural senses. He's living his, his life confined to that. And so he cannot receive the things of the Spirit, because things of the Spirit are spiritually discerned. It takes an enlightening from the Holy Spirit to understand spiritual things. So the natural man is living by his natural mind. Now, for all of us, we do live by the natural mind. You know, like I, let me explain. There are so many things we have to do to engage with this natural world with our natural mind. But the problem with living only by our natural mind is that we rule out the spiritual. So think about this. If a believer is only living by the natural mind, he's missing out on everything that's coming from the Spirit of God. Because those things are there, they are real, but a believer needs to know how to receive these things from the Spirit. So that's where the renewed mind or the spiritual mind comes in. We'll talk about it shortly. So as believers, we use our natural mind, but we don't limit ourselves to the natural mind. The next thing we're going to see is the carnal mind. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 verses 5 through 7. Let's read it together, please. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So in verse 5, He's telling us what is the carnal mind. Those who set their mind on the things of the flesh, they are carnally minded. So that's being carnally minded. That is, it's a mind that has its affections on, on the things of the flesh. The wrong desires of the flesh. 
But when we set our affection on things of the spirit, that is, we are being spiritually minded. Now, here Paul is telling us what will be the end result. If a believer lives according to his carnal mind, this is what's going to happen. It's going to result in death. He is actually going to be against God because he says the carnal mind is against God. He's going to be doing things against God. And he says, it's not going to result in life and peace. It won't, he's, he's going to be in turmoil. Absence of peace. So carnal minds. Resulting in death. Putting us in a place out of alignment with God. And putting us in a place where we lack peace. There's going to be confusion and turmoil. If a believer is walking like this. But if a believer is walking with a spiritual mind, according to the spirit, it's going to result in life and peace. Are you with me? In another place in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul rebukes the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1, 2, and 3. And he says, And I, brethren could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you are not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. For you are still carnal, for where there is envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Now you see the Corinthian church, had powerful spiritual experiences. There's no denying of that. Paul says in first chapter 1, he says, you come behind in no gift, in all utterance and in all knowledge. That means they, they had all the vocal gifts, they all had all the revelatory gifts. Wonderful. It is to the Corinthian church, he also wrote chapters 12, 13, 14, talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But, so that means they were very, Open spiritually, but yet he's rebuking them here in chapter 3 and he says, you're carnal. So, you can imagine these believers. They were transitioning between natural, carnal and spiritual. There were times they were very highly spiritual. But there were also times when they were in the carnal. And then of course the natural, which they had to carry out the day-to-day life. So they didn't skip the carnal. And so Paul rebukes them. He says, you're carnal. So how do we know we are carnal? First, you're not able to receive strong meat. I can't, I have to feed you milk all the time. And secondly, there is envy and strife and division. So, how do we know they're carnal? They are, fo- they are involved in these kinds of things. Envy, strife and division. Quarreling, bickering, fighting, taking sides. I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Peter, and all of those kinds of things. And so these believers, the Corinthian church, was transitioning through all three states. They had wonderful experience of the Spirit, but they're also in this carnal state, every now and then, fighting with each other, and also doing their natural things. Are you with me? So believers can transition. And we don't want to be in this carnal state. We don't want to engage here. We don't want to engage in strife and division, competition, and all those kinds of things. 
So let's talk about the renewed mind. Romans 12. Too. We will you know, do a complete sermon later on, on on renewing the mind. Romans 12 and verse 2. Apostle Paul, he says this, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So remember in chapter 8, he had spoken to us about the carnal mind, the spiritual mind. Now he continues in chapter 12 where he's picking up on that, and he says, don't be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the spiritual mind is this renewed mind. What is the renewed mind? We'll talk about it later, but very quickly. A renewed mind is a mind that is able to walk in the ways and thoughts of God, rather than the ways and thoughts of man. The natural man walks in the ways and thoughts of man. The renewed mind walks in the ways and thoughts of God. Are you with me? So, as believers, we must learn how to walk with a renewed mind. Now let's bring up a very practical example just to illustrate these three conditions of the mind. And I'll be talking with reference to a believer. So let's say you're a believer. Uh, Your area of business is sales. Um, You've got targets set for you periodically, every quarter or whatever that period may be. And, uh, you know, you, you've, you're, you're brilliant. You've done your MBA, whatever, whatever, you know, you're brilliant. So you're using your natural mind. You're, you know, you're working out your plan. This is how I'm going to do my sales. This is how I'm going to meet my targets. And you've got your sales strategy. You've got all your contacts, your leads. You're following up with your potential customers. And everything is, is going great. So that's your natural minded work. Now, you're coming close to the end of your sales period, and there's a huge gap between what you have accomplished and what you're supposed to deliver. There's a huge gap, and oh, panic sets in. Stressful time. How am I going to meet that? Now, hypothetical situation. A believer steps into his carnal mind. Okay, I know how to close these deals. Pay some bribes, or I can falsify my numbers, I can do all the wrong unscrupulous things, and I can show or somehow meet this target. I'm talking about believers, don't look innocent. <laughs> believers can do these things. It's not that they have lost their salvation, they're just operating in a carnal mind. And so they do this thing at work and you know, they get into trouble sometimes. Sometimes they can maybe go through that period and eventually get caught later, whatever. But that's a believer operating in the carnal mind, doing things he's not supposed to do that are dishonorable for God, unacceptable for God in order to meet those targets. But think about the same scenario, but if the believer steps into the renewed mind, what would he do? He'd say, God, I know I have to meet these things, but God, I'm going to use my faith on my work. Your word, he will speak the word of God over it. Yes, he's going to do his work using his natural mind, but now he's going to use his faith. He says, God, you said you will bless me in all the work of my hands. God, you said you will make me like a tree planted by rivers of water. That whatever I do will prosper. So I'm speaking the word of God over my circumstances. God, you surround me with favor as with a shield. 
God, you set me up above only and not beneath. What's he doing? He's causing his faith to bear upon his real life situation. Are you with me? Some of you are. Are you with me? And what else can he do with the renewed mind? He can pray, Holy Spirit, you're the spirit of wisdom. You're the spirit of understanding. Give me ways by which I can address this situation. Give me ideas. Give me strategies. Show me the people I need to contact or show me new avenues by which I can fulfill and meet my target and glorify God in my place of a Holy Spirit. Give me ideas. And he goes and prays in tongues. He seeks the Lord so that God can give him ideas. So he is, he is doing whatever he has to do with his natural mind to do his work, but he's stepping into his renewed mind, taking on the ways and thoughts of God and causing that to bear upon his everyday life situation and the Holy Spirit will speak to him giving him ideas in the realm of his imagination the Holy Spirit will inspire ideas and thoughts and strategies that he goes and executes that and the beauty of the Lord is seen upon his work that's a believer stepping into his renewed mind to meet a real life situation are you with me? So the challenge for you and me as believers is, yes, I have my natural mind, but I must learn how to step into my renewed mind, the spiritual mind, but I can tap into the ways and thoughts of God to address my life situations. I must avoid engaging uh, carnally. I must avoid engaging with things that are dishonorable to God because God wants my mind, my emotions to be holy and whole. Amen? So, as believers, we know, 2 Corinthians 5.17, that we are a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away. All things are new. But here's the thing. When we got born again, God didn't change our soul and our body. When you got born again, you got born again in your spirit. You became a new creation in your spirit. You were brought into Christ in your spirit. But the soul, God wants to work through it or work in it as a process. He wants to work in our mind, our emotions by His word and by His spirit. Same thing with the body. He wants to help uh, by His Spirit. He wants us to discipline, crucify our body. And those two things, our soul and our body, happen as a process by His Word and by His Spirit. Are you with me? So, we are born again in the Spirit, but our soul and our body has to be disciplined. It has to be, the body, the mind needs to be renewed. The body needs to be crucified. The flesh needs to be crucified so that the new creation that you are in your spirit can manifest through you. And this is where the problem is for many believers. They have not renewed their minds. They're not crucified the flesh. And so Christ is not seen in them. But we are going to learn how to do this. Worship team, please come. So in closing, I want to encourage us that God is interested in our mental health and well-being. We understand that our mental health is so important for us because it affects everything. How we feel, how we think, how we behave, how we relate to others and how we face life's challenges and how we handle difficult situations. Our mental health is important. We also are aware that, you know, there are challenges that we face. 
But I want to just close by reminding us of that same verse of Scripture that we began with, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. I'll read it again for us. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be kept complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. May God sanctify you. Sanctify your soul. Make it holy. Your soul, my soul. And may he keep it complete. Keep it whole. Amen? So let's affirm this one more time. Let's say this together. We've done it earlier. Let's do it again. The God of peace himself desires to work in me so that my thinking, reasoning, intelligence, emotions, imaginations, and memory can be made holy and kept whole, sound, and in good health. Amen. That's what God, the God of peace, will work in you and me. Amen. That our soul can be holy grounds. That you can learn to be free from all the evil thoughts, evil imaginations, negative thoughts, negative things. And the soul can be kept sound, whole and well. By His Word, by His Spirit. Amen? So we're going to journey through this next several weeks as we... Open up the word of God and let the Holy Spirit minister to us. We're going to take a few moments to pray. I request you to please stand. And, and uh, I want you to expect God to minister to you right now by His Spirit. Whenever the word of God is preached, God is watching over His word to proclaim it. We've come not only to hear the word, but experience the word manifested in our lives. May the God of peace do this. May he minister to you and me, even now, as we stand here, ministering healing and wholeness and deliverance in our lives. Just going to pray from here. But I want you to, as, wherever you're, as you're standing here and those of you who are watching online, as we take this time to pray, expect God to heal. Expect God to deliver. Because He wants us whole, sound and well, spirit, soul and body. of the glory and the honor Lord we lift our hands and worship as we lift your holy name you deserve the glory and the honor Lord we lift our hands and worship 
take a moment to pray and even as I pray from here I want you to expect the Lord to touch and heal and deliver there's a physical condition in your body just lay your hand on yourself and just expect the Lord to touch and heal if you come in way down in your soul in your mind your emotions maybe you know that there are areas that you're captive, you're held captive, maybe to fear, maybe to wrong desires and addictions. Jesus Christ is our healer. Jesus Christ is the bondage breaker. Jesus Christ is the mighty deliverer. He's the God who works miracles. And as we call upon his name, the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, will be healed, will be delivered, will be rescued. Just call upon his name. Call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. Those of you watching online, the Lord is present with you right where you are, whichever part of the world you're watching from. The same Jesus is with you. He is your healer. He is your deliverer. So in the mighty name of Jesus, right now, I command healing. I command bondages to be broken. I command areas of captivity to be broken. The captives set free. Right now in the name of Jesus, I come against you, Satan. I come against you, wicked spirits. I come against you, unclean spirits, holding people in bondage. In the name of Jesus, I command you leave. Command chains to be broken. Command areas in the mind that are held captive to be cleared now in the name of Jesus. Command sicknesses and diseases in Jesus' name to be healed. To be healed. Lord, we thank you for your healing virtue, for your healing power. Being administered to people, and even as we receive by faith. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, we honor you. And we give you thanks. We give you praise. Thank you, O oh God. We're going to close and pastors will be here. Those of our pastors, life group leaders, please come up and make yourselves available just to pray for people. We'll be here to pray in person, just minister to you. And uh, if there's anyone here you've never received Jesus Christ into your life, maybe you came it's because your friend invited you or just visiting. If you never received Jesus Christ, give you an opportunity to pray and receive Christ in your life. The Bible says that 
as many as have received him, that is Jesus. To them, he gives the power to become the children of God. So if you and I open our hearts and receive Jesus Christ into our lives, believe him for who he is, that he died for our sins, he was buried, he rose up again. Believe that. And he forgives our sins, he makes us the children of God brings us into the family of God. If there's anyone here you've never done that in your life before, I want to just give you an invitation right now to do it. If you feel in your heart you want to do it, those of you watching online, if you feel in your heart you want to do it, I'm just going to lead us in a simple prayer before we close. If you've never done this before and you want to do this this morning, just say this with me, Lord Jesus, come into my life, forgive my sin, Make me a child of God and help me to follow you and you alone the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Anybody, you prayed this prayer with me for the very first time? Anyone in this auditorium, you prayed this prayer? Just raise your hand. I want to see it. Anyone? Anybody pray this prayer with me? Okay, I don't see any hand raised. But if you did pray this prayer with me this morning for the first time, our, our greeters are waiting there with you uh, out, out of the entrance with bags. We call them new believers bag. Just tell them, I prayed this prayer for the very first time. I'd like to have that bag. It has a set of free resources we want, to, want you to take with you. It's going to help you grow in your faith. It also has a card, decision card, that, where you can put your name and number. Give it back to them so that somebody from the church office can call you and guide you to how to use the resources in that bag. All right, let's close. May the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly so that in your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept complete and blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We trust this message was a blessing to you. For more free resources, including sermons, sermon notes, and books, please visit apcw.org. For information on APC Bible College in Bangalore, visit apcbiblecollege.org. Do remember to download the All People's Church Bangalore app from the Apple or Google Play Store. This sermon is titled... My Mind, Part 2 Concentration, Distractions, Wandering Be enriched as you listen. We've been doing this sermon series on my mind and mental health, just talking about how the Word of God addresses this whole area of our mind, our emotions, and how God can work in us through His Word uh, to address some of the challenges we may be facing in this area. So last Sunday in the introductory message, we talk about the mind, the imagination, and mental health, just a few things as a way of introduction. Uh, today we'll be talking about concentration, distractions, and wandering, addressing that. Uh, next week we'll talk about temptations, addictions, deceptions, addressing that. In the weeks to come, we'll talk about controlling your thoughts, uh, renewing your mind, overcoming negative thoughts, and uh, Maintaining a positive mindset. There are several uh, uh, aspects or areas of our mind that we want to address from 
the word of God and God will minister to us, strengthen us in this area. Just to quickly uh, reinforce a certain few things that we mentioned last Sunday, our objective is to learn from the word of God how to overcome the challenges that we all face in the area of our minds. You see, we said that God is the one who created our minds. He created the soul, the mind, the will, the emotions, our ability to reason and think and visualize and imagine. All of these capacities were given to us by God. Now, of course, as we journey through life, some of these things are, you know, uh, hurt or affected or uh, disturbed in certain ways. How do we see that restored and how do we grow in these areas by the word of God? We want to take a biblical approach uh, to finding solutions in these areas, finding answers in this area. So that's what we're doing. I want to recall one verse in scripture that we saw last Sunday. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. Let's read it out loud together, please. Let's go. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be kept complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the God of peace is at work in each of our lives sanctifying every part of our being that includes soul. We're talking, we're focusing on the soul, the mind, the will, the emotions, the intellect, that aspect of us. So God sanctifies us. The word sanctify means to make holy. So I like to say this often, and I encourage you to say that often, that my mind is holy grounds. Amen? That our emotions... Our appetites, our desires, our affections are consecrated to God. So I like to say that. I like to say my, my appetites, my desires, my emotions, they are consecrated to God. Amen? Because my mind is holy ground. God is at work in you and me, sanctifying us. He's making us holy in this area of the soul. And He also makes us fully complete. That means He makes us whole. He brings us to a place of wholeness in the soul. So yes, we face challenges, we face disturbances, but God brings us to a place of wholeness in our soul. And so God restores our soul. Psalm 23, verse 20, verse 3, a very well-known verse, He restores my soul. Let's say that together. He restores my soul. So that's what God does. He restores our soul. Now, how does God go about restoring our soul? Meaning, making us whole, making us well in our soul. We must understand, number one, that God works that in us, number one, through His Word. That God's Word brings about restoration in our soul. So, Psalm 19, verse 7. The law, let's read that. The law of our Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. Let's say it together. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The law of the Lord, talking about God's word. So as we expose our mind, our thinking, our emotions, our appetites, our desires, our imaginations, every aspect of our soul, our mind, to the word of God, the word of God is restoring, repairing, making whole our soul, that, that the capacities of our mind, restoring them. So God works in us by 
His Word. But there's another way that God also works in us to bring about wholeness in our soul. That is by the Holy Spirit. The the Spirit of God empowers us with a sound mind. And we are all familiar with this scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And of a sound mind. That means the Holy Spirit is working in you and me. And He doesn't fill us with fear. Opposite. He fills us with courage. With boldness. With confidence. So God has, if we put it in the affirmative, God has given each one of you and me. He's given us a spirit of boldness. And of power. Meaning ability, strength. I just think about it. Uh, if, if, and we'll talk about this next Sunday. When you are trying to overcome an addiction, many times in ourselves we feel weak. We feel incapable. I don't have the strength. But God has given you His Holy Spirit, who is a spirit of power. He gives you the ability to overcome. Amen? So you affirm that. That's the truth. That's the word of God. God has given you a spirit of... uh, He's not given you a spirit of fear. So He's given you a spirit of boldness and of power and of love and of a sound mind. Sound mind. Now what is a sound mind? A sound mind, I like to say it like this. A sound mind has a sound memory, a sound concentration, and a sound understanding. Amen. He's given us the spirit... Who empowers us with a sound mind. A sound memory, a sound concentration, and a sound understanding. So God works in us by His Holy Spirit, empowering us with a sound mind. Now, the the word sound mind also is translated as self-discipline, as self-control. And all of those things are the expressions of a sound mind. You have a sound mind? Yes, there is self-discipline, there is self-control. So the Holy Spirit empowers us in this manner. Do you believe that the God who created your mind can do that in your life? Or is God saying, I created something that I don't understand? Come on. The God who created your mind knows how to empower your mind so that you can have, you and I can have self-control, can have soundness in our mind and, and, and use it rightly. Amen? Now, today, we're going to talk about concentration. Concentration. And uh, I want us to just address that, understand the problems, and then see how God has given us a way to address this problem. So, concentration is, is simply focused attention on a certain subject or a certain matter. For an extended period of time. It is the ability to cut off both internal and external distractions. Sometimes we are our own biggest distractor. We are thinking, oh, we want to just let our mind wander. And so we need the, the ability to focus our attention on something. For a period of time. So that you know, we can accomplish something. And... 
The problem is we live in a highly distracted world. Highly distracted. I mean, we've made technological advances, but some of the products of those technological advances are weakening our own capacity to think. We all have a mobile phone. We have the internet. We have so many things. But these keep interrupting us. So that our capacity to focus our attention on something for an extended period of time is actually being weakened on a daily basis because we allow ourselves to be so distracted. That means we are not strengthening our capacity for concentration. But we are consistently weakening our own ability to pay attention to something. So uh, we are highly distracted. We are living in a highly distracted world. But think about what happens when our concentration, uh, you know, uh, and then sometimes our mind just wanders. You know, we refer to it as uh, ambient neural activity. It's just wandering. It's doing stuff. It's reconfiguring, reconnecting, and, you know, just doing things uh, that, that sometimes we don't even control. It's reprocessing things. And you just allow mind wander. Now, just some of these statements may sound familiar to many of us. After I read two or three pages, I find my mind wandering on other things. And I don't remember what I've been reading. Or, I sit down to pray, and that's the moment my mind fills up with all the things I need to do for home, for kids and work. Or my mind wanders when I'm listening to presentations or attending to lectures, and I often miss what is being said. The important things just are missed. Did you attend the lecture? Yes, I did. Did you learn something? few things. Remember he said this? Did he say it? That was a time mind was off somewhere else. We missed that important point. Or something very familiar to all of us. My eyes and ears are directed towards pastors preaching, but my thoughts are busy planning out what I'm going to spend, how I'm going to spend the rest of my day. You're all looking at me like this. I don't know if you're paying attention. Or I tend to spend my time and energy on small stuff, but uh, I avoid all the more labor-intensive, mentally labor-intensive things. So what happens? We try to do all the easy things. We fill up our world with that. We're supposedly busy, but what we're doing is we're intentionally avoiding the things that actually require a lot of attention. And those are the things that are actually more important many times. Because... We're afraid we can't concentrate on those things. So we avoid those things. But you know, concentration is so important in our lives. Those of us who are students, you know, we know if you have to study for an exam or pre- learn your things, your subjects, you need to concentrate. For, our, for those of us who are at work, depending on what we're doing, uh, it may require extended hours of concentration. And the lack of this, concentration problems, can result in hours of wasted time. Just gone. What did you do with that time? I don't know. My mind was busy. Doing what? Wandering. It can uh, make us inefficient at work. That means what could have been done in two hours of concentrated effort, because of all the interruptions, we take four hours, six hours, sometimes eight hours just to do that. We become inefficient. 
We find it difficult to think through problems because sometimes some problems require an extended thought and processing of information and analyzing and logic and reasoning. And so we don't arrive at solutions or we at best arrive at a solution that is suboptimal. Uh, we uh, are unable to handle complicated tasks. We end up making careless mistakes uh, resulting in pure quality of work. So I'm just trying to remind us of the importance of concentration. Now, as a side note, the Bible tells us, and we will be addressing this in, in, in a subsequent sermon, the Bible tells us in First Peter 2.11, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. First Peter 2.11. Stay away from fleshly lusts, because they war against the soul. Now, fleshly lusts, giving ourselves into indulging in evil desires, evil things. They are actually creating conflicts against our own soul. They are fighting against our own soul. And a typical example, you know, a, a person who is indulging in pornography, he sits down, he or she may sit down to do something, and the mind is already disturbed. Can't concentrate. Well, what are you doing? You're indulging in something that is actually going to war against your own soul. So you're creating more problems for yourself by that. So the Bible says, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. You're creating your own enemies that are disturbing you mentally, emotionally, and so on. Keep that thought in mind. We'll pick it up in, a, in, a, in subsequent weeks. So, what we want to do is today, learn how to engage with the Word of God and with the Holy Spirit to address this area of concentration, a problem that many of us face, or you know, technically you call it an attention deficit. How do we address that? What is interesting is that when we look into the Scripture, God introduced a practice for His people, even in the Old Testament, which today we recognize has tremendous benefits to address this problem of concentration. And in the Bible, it's called meditation. Meditation. A meditation in God's words does have tremendous spiritual benefit. But a byproduct, a side effect is... It's going to strengthen our ability to concentrate. Are you with me? So I want us to understand the biblical approach to meditation. Now, I'm not doing, we're not going to do a thorough study of meditation right now. We have an APC book that's called God's Word, The Miracle Seed. And in that book, we detail biblical meditation. And so I encourage you to read it. But... There are many scriptures in the Old New Testament when the Bible talks about meditate. Meditate in God's word. So we understand, you know, all of you have a quiet time, spend some time in the word of God, yeah. Uh, read, yes. But what do you do? Take five. Five minutes. Five minutes is better than nothing. But I want to encourage you to develop this practice of meditation. Meditation. In God's word. It's in the Bible. So, in the book, in the APC book, uh, God's Word, the Miracle Seed, I summarize meditation with these three uh, steps or 
part of the process, which I will mention here, but today I want to introduce something different. But just to review that, we mentioned meditation as having these three elements. One is contemplation. To contemplate means to think deeply about something with focused attention, contemplation. Meditation also involves visualization. That means imagine it. Paint a picture of it on the canvas of your imagination. God gave you and me our imagination, our our ability to visualize. So meditation involves visualization. And meditation involves confession. It simply, the, the Hebrew word there simply means to mutter, to say to oneself. To speak softly. So, three parts of meditation. Contemplation, visualization, and confession. So, how did they practice it in Bible times? And you might see some pictures of the Jewish people. They put on this prayer shawl. To cut out all distraction. And they have this little prayer book, scripture in it. And they will be in a standing posture or in a kneeling posture. Sometimes you see them before the wall uh, 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 like this with a prayer shawl, with a book. They rock back and forth, reciting, repeating scripture. So all these three aspects are involved. Contemplation, their focused attention on that scripture or prayer. They cut off all distraction with the shawl. There's no distraction. And visualization, you are seeing yourself in the word and the word being, that the word being played out in your life and you're saying it. Are you with me? Now, today we will extend this a little bit because I would like to break that contemplation part further down to talk about attention and inclination. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 4. Verses 20 to 22. Are you all with me so far? Are you still contemplating on it? (laughs) Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 to 22, please. Let's read it. God says, My son, pay attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. They are not to escape from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their body. Notice how, you know, the word of God is healing to a whole person, a whole body. But what are the instructions God is giving us? And we will, uh, you know, bring them out in simple words. Number one, attention. He says, pay attention to my attention and it's your focus now is on the word pay attention second inclination now i'm using the word inclination is not in, in you know it has multiple meanings not not in the sense of desire but i'm talking about in the sense of leaning towards he says incline your ear to my sayings that means lean away from distractions lean toward what i'm speaking inclination then there is visualization 
Don't let it depart from your eyes. What eyes is he talking about? Natural eyes? Obviously not. You and I cannot be walking around like this all the time. You're going to have an accident. So he's not talking about natural eyes. Don't let them depart from your eyes. I mean the eyes of your mind, your inner eyes. So how can you keep seeing the word because you paint it on the canvas of your imagination because you're visualizing that word. You're seeing yourself in the word and the word being played out in your life. Don't let it depart from before your eyes. Next, assimilation. Keep them in the midst of your heart. You're assimilating it. It's becoming part of you. And in the process of assimilation, it's going to dislocate, it's going to discard things that are opposite to what the truth says. Assimilation. And to this we add the word confession. And, and our, from other scriptures. So, meditation in these five steps. I've broken contemplation down in two. Number one, let's recap. Attention, inclination, visualization, visualization, assimilation, and confess. Let's repeat it again. <laughs> Make sure we all got it. Attention, focus on the word. Focus on the way. Inclination. Cut off all the distractions. Lean over to what God is saying. Third, visualization. See that word. Use the imagination. You see, later on we will learn, we have to cast down wrong imaginations. If you fill your mind with the right kind of imaginations, when the wrong kind of imagination comes, it'll say, sorry, no landing grounds. But how do you create those right imaginations in your mind from the word while you're meditating. Number four, assimilation. Say, God, I take this as truth. All the wrong ideas that I've been having, I'm rejecting it out of my mind. I'm assimilating your word. And number five, I speak it to myself. You see, when you speak the word over yourself, it's so powerful. The psalmist, you find many things in the Bible. The psalmist said, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Hope in God. He's talking to his own soul. You know, modern day they call it self-talk. But it's in the Bible, it's old talk. Right? <laughs> Why are you cast down, O my soul? Hope in God. Or the psalmist said, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me. He's encouraging his own soul. He's speaking the word over his own mind, his own emotions, over his own soul. So, you speak the word. Amen? So, meditation in the word is so powerful. Because, like we said earlier, when you and I meditate in the word, the word transforms us. The entrance of his words give light. We are cleansed through the word. We are renewed through the word. The word of God brings tremendous benefit. But a byproduct is, you are strengthening your capacity to concentrate. Because you cannot meditate without concentration. Part of meditation is you're focusing your attention. You're cutting off distractions. You're developing that ability in yourself, in your mind. to meditate. And when you meditate in the word of God, 
You're concentrating. Your attention is on the word. Your inclination is there. Your all distraction cut off. Your imagination is engrossed in it. And your truth is filling you. All the wrong ideas, untruths, wrong truth, or wrong things are being cast out. You're assimilating it. Are you with me? So, we're going to practice it right now. We'll pick three verses. Psalm 1, 1, 2, 3. Just three verses. Don't worry if you can meditate in all three verses. You know, you probably will not get past even the first part of verse 1. But, try this out, right? Psalm 1, 1 to 3. Uh, it's up on the screen. You know, uh, we just read the whole, uh, we read all three verses, then I'll give us a few minutes to just practice this. It says, Blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. Now, we're going to meditate in these three scriptures. Start with verse 1. If you want to meditate in verse 3, that's fine. No, it's okay. Wherever, which are part of it. But this, just take, take this short portion of scripture. And apply these things. Number one, attention. So, you're not thinking about lunch. Attention is on Psalm 1, 1, 2, 3. Okay? Lunch will be taken care of. Don't worry. <laughs> now your attention here. Inclination. That means you're leaning away from other things, leaning towards this, this scripture, this, these verses. Third, visualization. As you're reading, imagine what you are reading. Okay, we will, we will take a quiz after. No, no. <laughs> what did you imagine? <laughs> no, imagine it. You know, each one of us as it's relevant to us, right? And then you assimilate it. That means maybe there was a wrong idea in your mind. Maybe there's a wrong thought there. And now you're saying, okay, I'm getting rid of that wrong thought in order to embrace, assimilate what I'm reading from the Word. And then just say it to yourself. Can we do that? Just one or two minutes. Just, just do that. The, the Scripture's on the screen, or you can read it from your Bible in front of you. Take this minute, a uh, minute or two, and then we will move forward. Those of you watching online, Please, do the same thing uh, for the next minute or two, please. Okay, 
I'm sorry to interrupt you. Don't consider me as a distraction. <laughs> We're going to finish the message. So, try to reflect on what happened in your mind. Maybe for some of you, you started with the word blessed. And you got stuck there. It's okay. And you're thinking, blessed is the person. Oh, what does a blessed person look like? And you're thinking about yourself in that. What would my life look like as a blessed person? Right? And, and you let that, that, just the first part, blessed is the person. Oh, what will a blessed person look like? What would I look like if I was that blessed person? And if you were a student, you'll think of 100, you know, 100 on every subject or whatever is blessed for you. Right? Somebody else, when they think about blessed is the person. Oh, how, what would my life look like if I was blessed like this? Blessed is the person. Now, if you didn't get past that, perfectly fine. It's okay. God is not angry. You are meditating in His now, some of you may have gone to the next part. Blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Counsel of the ungodly. And then immediately you're thinking, you know, oh, I have friends around me and they are giving me this kind of counsel. They're giving me this kind of advice. They're not believers. But the Bible is telling now, I must not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. What are they counseling me? I shouldn't be following that. You see, so what is happening as you're meditating in that word, it is transforming you spiritually. Are you understanding this? And in the process, you're also developing your ability to concentrate. You're strengthening that capacity. Right? The, the primary result of meditation is the transformation of your person spiritually. But a byproduct is you're strengthening your mental faculties, your cognitive abilities to concentrate, to think, to visualize, to imagine, to reason, to focus. All these things are so important. But God gave it to us in the Old Testament a long time ago. And he said, meditate in my word. Amen. And this is so beautiful. And this is how we receive revelation. I remember, and I shared this in the 8 o'clock service as well. I remember there was one time when I, you know, in my, I read the Bible sequentially. So I, I, it was turned from time for me to start the gospel of Mark. I came to Mark chapter 1 verse 1. Very simple verse. This gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Very simple, short scripture. But the moment I read it, I felt the presence of God. And I sat on that verse for the next half an hour. And in my mind's eye, I began to visualize this gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Who is this person? I went back into time before everything was created and, and began to envision, visualize Jesus, the eternal word and how the conversation would have happened between God the Father, God the Word and God the Son in order to create. Because the Bible says He created everything. He finished His work before He began. That means 
everything was designed in the mind of God even before the first stroke of creation. And so I was there. So the next day I came, I opened my Bible, Mark chapter 1 verse 1, this, begin, this gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the presence of God just overwhelmed me. I was in tears for the next 30 minutes. I was just meditating in that one verse. And this continued for at least four days. So if you came and asked me, what did you read today? I read one verse. So pastor is backslidden, finished. <laughs> You read only one verse today. You're supposed to read three chapters. Well, I couldn't get past that verse. You see, meditation. It's not how much you read. It's how the word transforms you when you read or meditate in it. And out of that came the, that year's Christmas sermon. You know, the Son of God, I think it was on December 25th, I preached. But where did that message come from? In that time of meditation. I have to meditate in the Word. So it's so beautiful. Take time. Don't be in a hurry to... I mean, yes, you can read scripture like a book, a story book. You know, if you want to, that's fine. But God called us to meditate in His Word. Take time to do it. Are you with me? Now, connected to that is the work of the Holy Spirit. I'll just mention this to you. I won't delve into it. We won't, don't have time. But, you know, we, we said that the Holy Spirit also renews our mind. And one of the ways I practice this is applying concentration when praying in tongues. You see, when you're praying in tongues, the Bible says, our spirit prayers, but our understanding is unfruitful. That means your mind is not engaging in that prayer. Because that prayer is given to you by the Holy Spirit and you are speaking it. And your mind is not involved. So your mind is free. And that is the time you can concentrate your mind on something. Whether it's a scripture, whether it is a revelation that the Holy Spirit is giving you while you're praying in tongues, or uh, the, the, the focus of your prayer, you can focus your mind, you can concentrate your mind uh, uh, on that. So that's the second way I practice concentration. So I'm praying in tongues. I may spend half an hour, one hour, two hours, three hours, four hours. It's okay. You see, just, just praying in tongues. Now, the longest I've done is like at least eight hours, just, just praying non, in tongues. Of course, I take my drink water breaks and bathroom breaks, but otherwise, just pray in tongues. Spend, spend eight hours just praying in tongues. So many of us struggle. How can you pray for so long? Well, God gave you a way to pray. It's called praying in tongues. So you spend that. So for what, what are you going to do with your mind for two hours, three hours, four hours when your mind is not involved in the prayer? You concentrate with your mind on the scripture, on what God is giving to you. So while you are praying in tongues, your mind is focused and you're receiving revelation. Are you with me? You know, just recently I, I, I was praying and and suddenly I began to see a certain aspect in the Word of God uh, that I'd never even seen before. And then after that, somebody came to meet me in the office and they were talking about their problem. And I just told them what I received as a revelation from the Word. I'm not telling you what it is. But, and that person said, I've never heard it like that before. And I had to tell her, even I didn't hear it. <laughs> you know? But it was, it, was, it was a new insight that came while you are, you're praying in tongues, but you're engaging with a word in your mind. Are you understanding? We get into 
uh, deeper on this some other time. But practice it, try it out. So God has already given us these abilities to, you know, to uh, engage our mind in very meaningful ways, whether it's through the Word or while you're praying in the Spirit, and it all strengthens your cognitive abilities. I want to close with this. Uh, I want to talk about the practical side. So deep work and healthy habits for the mind. So there is the spiritual side, which we talked about. Meditation in God's word and concentration when you're praying in tongues. Now the other side, the practical side. Deep work. Uh, Cal Newport is a, a, a professor of computer science in Georgetown University. And in around 2016, he wrote this book, which became a bestseller uh, called Deep Work. And he came out with some very basic ideas. And I just want to mention a few things uh, that he said. Now, this is not Christian. This is practice, right? He said, deep work is the ability to focus without distraction on a cognitively demanding task. And uh, professional activities are basically performed like this. And it is deep work that creates new value. That improves your skill, which is hard to replace. So, in order to produce the best that we can, he says, we need deep work. And he calls it the superpower of the 21st century. Because, he says, in this, you know, uh, in this highly distracted world, the ability to, deep, to do deep work becomes a very rare skill. Because everybody is so distracted. So developing this ability to concentrate, to do deep work, is going to become a premium, something increasingly rare and increasingly valuable. And so we need to improve our ability to concentrate intensely and to overcome our desire for distraction. So what are some practical things? Number one, sleep well. Not now, but sleep well at night. <laughs> sleep deprivation can, you know, of course, make it difficult to concentrate. Tune out distractions. So when you sit down to do some work, just turn off the phone. The world will not fall apart if you don't answer the call, if you don't respond to the message. Turn it off. Get offline. So these are things which are good, but they have become big distractions for us. So keep your phone aside. In fact, you won't believe this. My phone is on silent mode all the time. It's not silent. Never. It's very rare I put it on. You very rare it tings or rings. It's on silent mode 24-7. Because... It is not going to tell me when to check it. I will check it when I want. It's not the boss. I'm the boss. You got it? Amy Tessa, I don't know. My phone's always on silent mode. So if you call me and I don't answer, it's because I'm not there. I'm doing deep work. <laughs> I'm doing something. I want to concentrate. I don't want to be disturbed. So the phone is not going to dictate things to me. Right? So tune off, turn off these distractions. 
avoid multitasking. You know, sometimes we think, wow, I can multitask. But you know, your brain cannot multitask. It only switches between tasks. And every time it switches, there's a residue on the previous task. It is not 100% on the new task. It takes a while to switch completely to the new task. So you're really not giving 100% to your new task. So don't do multitask. Do it one at a time. Set up a routine. You know, if every morning you get up, spend time with God, your whole being is ready for that undevoted, uh, undisturbed devotion time to God. So set up a routine. Take a break. Our mind gets tired. Our ability to concentrate gets tired. So just go for a walk. Do something that you like doing. Uh, time box. That means you set aside a certain no, t- amount of time to do intensive work. Whenever you are best, whatever, whenever you're good at. So if mornings are good for you, you block out that three, four hours in the morning to do really mentally intensive tasks. When I sit down to write a book, that's it. That time I'm not answering anything. I want to focus 100%, working on that, thinking through it, and, and a beautiful flow of ideas and thoughts. And, and you feel so good after the three, four hours of deep work, of intensive work. You feel satisfied. You've done something useful. But then you need a time box. Keep that time aside. No distractions. Do the work you're supposed to do. Avoid information overload. There's only so much we can process. Clear your head. If, if you find your mind is overworking on certain things, clear it out. How do you clear it out? Write it down or do it. Two ways to get it out of your mind. Do it or write it down. So you're clearing your head from all these different things. It, it needs to do. And then other things like exercise and eat healthy and music. Worship team, please come. So, what did we talk about today? We talked about concentration. Because the lack of concentration is a big problem. Attention deficit is a big problem in today's world because of how highly distracted uh, a world we are in. But God has already placed in his word meditation a long time ago. He said you practice it. Today we are understanding meditation helps your concentration. It helps develop and strengthen this ability. And so if you and I as believers who love God, who love his word, will meditate in his word, we get the spiritual benefits plus we get the benefit of strengthening our mental faculties. And when you're praying in tongues, engage your mind in a very focused manner on on either the word or the prayer objective that you're going after or letting God speak revelation to you while you're praying in tongues. So you're training your mind, your brain, even when you are praying in tongues. So God's given this to us I want to encourage us, all of us, to practice this. Amen? So when you're reading your Bible, whatever portion you're reading, meditate on it. Even if it's half a verse, it's okay. No, but God is not asking you how many verses you read today. He's taught us to meditate in His Word. But you focus on it. You practice these five things. Attention, Inclination, visualization, assimilation, and confession. Practice that. 
as you meditate in the word and see how beautiful it is for yourself spiritually as well as emotionally amen let's please rise to our feet and our worship team lead us for a few moments
take a moment to pray right now for, for those of us who need God to do a work in our soul, in our mind and if you want to, I'm not saying you have to, but if you want to just put your hand on your mind and then we're just going to say a few words and I want to just speak over us let's say this together God works in me making me holy I'm making me whole in my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions are consecrated to God. They are holy. The Holy Spirit gives me a sound mind, a sound memory, a sound concentration and a sound understanding in the name of Jesus I expel every unclean spirit that's gained control over my thoughts my imaginations in Jesus name I expel every spirit of distraction every spirit of confusion and I declare my mind is strong my mind is alert my mind is sound in Jesus name Amen Amen Father I thank you that as your people we develop Lord a strong and a healthy mind a holy mind that our thoughts, our emotions, our appetites, our imaginations are holy and consecrated as holy grounds. And we invite the Holy Spirit to give us ideas, to give us visions, to give us dreams, to give us revelation, to inspire us, to inspire our imaginations. So that each one of us, Lord, can do wonderful things for the kingdom of God. Come, Holy Spirit, fill our minds, our reasoning, our thoughts, our understanding, our imaginations. And let many things be inspired and released through us. To bless our world, to glorify Jesus, and to advance the kingdom of God. So work through each of us, Lord. Let our minds be awake for your works, for what you want done. May we bless people with it. We thank you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each of us always. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. We trust this message was a blessing to you. For more free resources, including sermons, sermon notes, and books, please visit apcw4.org. For information on APC Bible College in Bangalore, visit apcbiblecollege.org. Do remember to download the All People's Church Bangalore app from the Apple or Google Play Store. This sermon is titled, My Mind, Part 3, Temptations, Addictions, Deceptions. Be enriched as you listen. We've been doing this series on our mind and uh, this is our part three uh, in the sermon series. We're dealing with different aspects of our minds and uh, learning what the Bible is telling us. The Bible teaches us on how we can have our minds in a place of strength and of course do the will of God uh, with, with a sound mind. Today... We're going to deal with another aspect which I think is so relevant to all of us. And it's an area that we all need to learn to overcome and walk in victory. We're going to talk about temptations, addictions, and deceptions. We all face, all of us face temptations in our mind. Uh, We face temptations. And then... There are addictions and deceptions. We'll deal with that. Now let's begin with some basic definitions. By temptations, we're meaning any inducement to sin. That's a temptation. It's an inducement to do something wrong, something that's displeasing to God, something that's not honorable before God, something that's not right. Now if we continue in that, sooner or later we're going to end up with being addicted to that. If we keep on giving in to those temptations. So when we say addictions, we're talking about a compulsion to do something wrong. So we've gone beyond beyond just facing a temptation. We're now in a place where it's like a compulsion. You are, we have to do it. It's controlled by it in a place of addiction. Now deception is very strange because in deception, we end up calling the truth a lie, and a lie as truth. And that's deception. We've been deceived. Like we're thinking ultra. <laughs> we're thinking upside down. You know, We're calling the truth as a lie. We're calling the lie as truth. And we end up being deceived. How does this happen? And how do we guard ourselves against such things, is what we want to discover from God's word today. Now, I want us to understand the importance of this in First Peter chapter 2, verse 11. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Peter tells us, you know, he says, as pilgrims, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain or stay away from fleshly lusts. That means these ungodly desires of the flesh. Stay away from fleshly lusts. Because they war against the soul. So what's the problem? The problem in giving in to these wrong desires, in giving in to these temptations is, we are creating conflict against our own soul, our mind, our will, our emotions. We're creating conflict. You know, we're creating our own enemies, so to speak. We're creating our own conflicts. Because 
fleshly lust war against the some people say, I'm having trouble with my emotions. I'm having trouble in my mind. I'm having problems in my mind, my emotions. Okay. One of the things we need to look at is, are we giving in to fleshly lust? Because fleshly lust war against our own soul. So that could be the root of the problem somebody is facing in their soul, in their mind, their will, their emotions. You've got to look there. You know, and you can understand this if, if somebody, and we will talk more about this, if somebody's, you know, given into pornography, and I've met some young people, they come and sat before me, and I, you know, and shared their, said, look, this is my problem. And consequently, it's impacting other areas of life. Can't concentrate on my studies, can't concentrate on work. But what's the root cause? It's not like they, have, they don't have the skills or the acumen it's just that there are fleshly lusts that are held them, which are creating so much conflict in their soul, in their mind, their will, their emotions, that they can't concentrate at work or perform well at work because of that. So that's the problem. We've we got to address that, those, those fleshly lusts. So let's understand the process of temptation. How does temptation happen? Let's go to James chapter 1. Verses 13 through 16, please. James chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. James says here, Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. So look at this carefully. The Bible's telling us, let no one say when he's tempted, God's tempting me. Because God is not interested in tempting anybody with evil, and God himself cannot be tempted with evil. So don't blame God. He ends up this set of verses by saying, Do not be deceived, my brethren. Now, don't deceive yourself blaming God. God is tempting me. You know, so God made me do it. God didn't make you do it. <laughs> don't blame God. But this is what is happening. Every man is tempted when he's drawn by his own desires. It's your desires at work. Every man is tempted when he's drawn by his own desires. So you're drawn. That Greek, the word drawn in the Greek is quite an interesting picture. It has the picture of, you know, alluring some animal out of their place of hiding. So the animal comes out and then the hunter can shoot. Meaning, you're drawn, you're brought, brought out of your safe hiding. You're brought out of your place of safety. By your own desires. Your own desires are drawing you out. Your own desires are making you vulnerable to this. Every man is tempted when he's drawn by his own desires. And enticed. Enticed means your will is weakened. That means there's no more strength to say no. Enticed. Your will is weakened. The will to resist is weakened. And when desire, when sin has conceived, that word conceived, 
sometimes in English we only we think about conception as in birth, but the Greek has a different meaning. It actually means captured, trapped. And it also means, it has, you know, some words have double meaning. So this word has a double meaning. It also means conception as in birth. But the context should have been captured. So we are drawn, enticed, and then captured. Are you seeing the sequence? We're drawn by our own desires, enticed, and then captured. So that's how this temptation works. We are drawn by our own desires. So now, what does the devil do? He can only play on our desires. What does the world do? The world can pull on our desires. So that's why those of you in marketing, advertising, (laughs) you know the game, right? You got to play on people's desires. Pull on their desires. So that's the world, the attractions of the world, the influences of the world. What do they do? They, they pull on our desires. The devil can play on our desires. But that's the playground. Every man is tempted when he's drawn by his own desires. And when that has enticed, when it weakens our will, then we are captured. So, if you think about the enemy's strategy, Satan's tactics, and we just look at a few. Temptations, accusations, and deceptions. Three main tactics of the devil. Temptations. The Bible calls him a tempter. That's one of his names. Tempter. As a tempter, all he can do is play on our desires. He can't force us. He, he's not God. Like he can't control our will. But he can play on our will. That's what he does as a tempter. He's also called the accuser of the brethren. So that's another tactic. He accuses us. Accusing us makes us feel weak, worthless. And so it cripples us. And he tells us you're good for nothing. God doesn't love you. God's mad at you. You, you know, God is... God is God's, God's just upset with you. God doesn't love you. God forgot you. Whatever. You know, all kinds of uh, accusations making us feel bad, cripple us. But you know, the truth of the matter is that on the cross, Jesus removed every accusation against you. You don't even have to show up in court. Because your court case was settled 2,000 years ago. And John 16.11 says the verdict was passed 2,000 years ago. And Satan was on the receiving end of the verdict. John 16.11. He was condemned 2,000 years ago. What business do you have showing up in the courts of heaven to defend a case that was settled 2,000 years ago? Don't waste your time. Are you listening? But that's the accuser of the brethren. He comes to accuse us wrongly. All you have to know is know the truth. Satan, my case was settled 2,000 years ago. Every decree against me was dealt then. You're 2,000 years too late. With your accusations. But 
Most believers receive the accusations and they feel crippled. But that's number three, deception. Deception is he tries to make us believe a truth is a lie and a lie as truth. Tries to turn around. And many of these deceptions are just questioning the word. Like in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say? No, no, no. He didn't mean that. He didn't really mean when he says he loves you. He loves your grandfather. He loves your mother. They're very prayerful people. But look at you. How can he love you? All those kinds of things. Deceptions. Now, how does the devil do this? How does he tempt us or bring his accusations to us or present his deceptions to us? We need to understand how the enemy tempts us. How does he work? In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11, the apostle Paul writes, he says, you know, lest Satan, let's read it. Lest Satan should take advantage of us. We are not ignorant of his devices. See, if we are ignorant, the enemy takes advantage. But we don't have to be because we've got the word. The word exposes everything, reveals everything to us. So he says, let's not let the devil take advantage of us because we are not ignorant of his devices. We know how he operates. So one of the ways to learn, one of the things that I want us to understand today is how he brings his temptations, accusations to us. And how do we counter that? The best way to understand that is to look at how he tried to work against the Lord Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15, the Bible tells us that Jesus was tempted in all points like we are tempted. But he was without sin. But he was without sin. So let's think this through. Jesus was tempted in all points, in all areas, the way you and I are tempted. Question. How does the devil tempt you? Does he show up in a black suit with two black horns and a pitchfork and say, Hello, I'm Mr. D. Evil. Here to tempt you. Does he appear like that? No. Mr. D. Evil doesn't show up. How does he tempt you and me? The Bible says, Jesus was tempted the same way we are tempted. Same approach. So we need to look, how did he tempt Jesus? So we look at one case study, which is recorded for us in the Gospels, which is when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. We know he fasted 40 days. You'll have this recorded in Matthew 4 and Luke chapter 4. He was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted, uh, fasting. And at the end of that period, he was tempted by the devil. Three recorded temptations for us. It doesn't mean he only faced three. He faced many. But these three are recorded for us to study and for us to understand. So here Jesus was, towards the end of his time of fasting. And the Bible says, Satan came to Jesus and he said... If you are the son of God, turn, command these stones to become breads. See, he's hitting Jesus at at this point of weakness, at that moment. No food for 40 days. 
It's obviously ready to eat something. And he says, command these stones to be made bread. And Jesus responds, it is written, man will not live by bread alone. The next temptation. Now, how did Satan do this? Now, if you and I you know, gone through Sunday school, we'd probably be given this little, I don't know if they do it these days, I haven't been to Sunday school for a long time, but you know, they would, you'd be given a little picture you know, with Jesus there in the wilderness, and then there's this devil with a pitchfork and two horns, and you try to imagine him doing this. That's not the real picture. Why? Think about the next temptation. It says that the devil showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said, all these I will give to you if you'll only bow down and worship me. Now how did the devil do that? It says it took him to a, up to a high mountain, like a, a, a place, an elevated place. Where was Jesus? He was in the wilderness. Now which mountain can you climb that you can see from Tokyo to San Francisco? So obviously it was not in the physical realm. It wasn't like the devil had a special flight <laughs> to take Jesus around and then, you know, in less than 60 seconds I will show you all the kingdoms of the world. So if you imagine if it happened in our day, starting from all, you know, all the great cities of the world, show all the glamour, the gold, the wealth. How could the devil have done that? Or the next temptation, it says, he took Jesus up to the pinnacle of the temple and he said, jump from here. Because it is written, he will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. And the devil is quoting scriptures, pretty religious. But how did he put Jesus on top of the pinnacle? Jesus was in the wilderness. The answer is pretty simple. These temptations happened in the mind. They came as imaginations. You see, sitting right here, right now, you can do an instant trip. Tokyo, you're there. How about Delhi? No, no, let's not stay there too long. <laughs> London, <laughs> New York, San Francisco, Bengaluru. Done. You made a world trip in an instant. Where? In your imagination. So, the point is this. The temptations of Jesus, that Jesus faced happened the same way you and I face temptations, in the area of our minds. So really, Satan's temptations all happen in the mind. They come as thoughts, ideas, suggestions, imaginations, visuals. They come in the mind. So when the devil tempts us, he intercepts and interjects our own thought processes with these thoughts, with these ideas that come into the mind. Just like he did in the case of Jesus. Now, here's something for us to think through. Having this thought... Okay, let me ask this. Did a bad thought come into the mind of Jesus? It can only be yes or no. <laughs> yes. These thoughts came into the mind of Jesus. He did have the thought. I mean... At that moment, he must have been looking at it. 
and the, the rocks suddenly took on bread form. And this, he may even have had the aroma coming. I don't know. I'm just imagining. Make these stones bread. In his mind. So these thoughts came into his mind. Into his imagination. The point is this. Having a bad thought come into your mind is not sin. Thinking evil is sin. Are you understanding? We can't prevent these thoughts. These thoughts of fear or evil, whatever. We can't prevent them from coming in. They will come and the devil will intercept. And he will interject our own thought processes with his wrong thoughts. That's his scheme. That's his device. That's his fiery dart. We can't prevent them. But we don't have to think them. And we definitely don't need to act on them. You see, the devil has no idea whether you've received this thought unless you do one of two things. Unless you speak it or you act it. So the thought comes, don't speak it, don't take it. Don't act it, don't do it. Are you listening? So these thoughts came to the mind of Jesus, but he didn't accept them. Because his mind was holy ground, consecrated to the Father. And your mind and my mind, at the very beginning of the series, we said, the God of peace will sanctify you wholly, spirit, soul, and body. So God is making our soul a holy ground. And when these evil thoughts come, these unclean imaginations are thrown to us, we don't have to accept them. We don't have to accept them. So, how do we keep our mind safe from these thoughts? Well, let me back up. One more point we need to understand. There are three realms of desires. Three realms of desires. And the Bible brings us out in 1 John 2, 15 and 16. Love not the world. Let's read it. Love not the world. Neither, neither things that are in the world. For all that is in the world. Verse 16, the lust of the flesh, the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So three realms, lust of the flesh, the evil desires of the body, evil desires, lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes, things that, where our eyes are, our visual pictures are engaged. And... The pride of life. The self-dependence. The, in, you know, the self-reliance. I don't need God. I can do it myself. Pride of life. Three realms in which we face temptations. And we see that in the case of Jesus. Make the stones bread. Lust of the flesh. All the kingdoms of the world. Lust of the eyes. And jump from the pinnacle. Pride of life. See? Superman. All three realms, he was tempted. So, how do we keep our minds safe against these temptations of the enemy? How do we do that? How do we overcome these temptations and break addictions and guard against these deceptions? What I want to do today is use the word SAFE, S-A-F-E, as an acronym, just to tell us how to use the word to deal with this. 
So S, so all, it all has to do with the word of God. S is to speak the word. Speak the word. A, act the word. F, focus on the word. E, examine considering the word. Right? S, A, F, E. Everything has to do with the word of God. Speak the word. Act the word. Focus on the word. And examine the word. Let's explain this. So we know, first one, speak the word. We saw in the temptation of Jesus, every time he was tempted, he did only one thing. He said, it is written. Or if you want to put it in a simple way, he said, the Bible says. At that time, he only had the Old Testament. He didn't have the New. And he quoted from the Old Testament. So every time a temptation came, he simply said, the, the Bible, it is written. The Bible says. And the New Testament teaches you and me to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Use the same word. Old Testament, you don't argue. Old Testament, the same God spoke both times. <laughs> you know, sometimes people argue, only Old Testament, only New Testament. It's the word of God. Use it. Use the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of What did Jesus do? When a temptation came, he used the corresponding scripture and he spoke that. That's what he did. And that's what you and I must practice. When a thought comes, an idea comes, a wrong imagination comes, and you know, we will be dealing in a a future uh, service on negative thoughts, you know, fear and worry and anxiety and depression, all those things. We'll deal with that. Now if you talk about temptation. So when a thought or, or, or a tempting thought, a thought inducing you to sin or intending to pull you into some addictive behavior pattern or a deceiving thought, a wrong thought, a lying thought comes to your mind, what must you and I do? Bring to our mind a corresponding scripture. To counter that thought. Are you with me? Now, please allow me to do a little promo. We have something called All People's Church Bangalore Church app. In the church app, there's a section called Faith on, on Toolkit Faith Builders. Over there, we've listed scripture, scriptures on every top, not every, but many topics, A to Z. So you say, well, I don't know the scripture. I'm, I'm facing temptation in this area. How do I find other scriptures? Go there. Search app. It's already listed there. Most likely you'll find something that, you know, that your, your topic is most likely covered there. And you'll find scriptures listed for you. It's called toolkit. Use it. So Jesus spoke a scripture, a single scripture. Can you imagine? He quoted only one scripture, the devil shut up. Just one verse. He said, it is written, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Quiet. See, to try another area. So think about this. Jesus used the scriptures to counter what the devil was doing. So you and I must do the same thing. Are you listening? Now, ladies, please close your ears. I'm going to talk to the men for a few minutes. 
Then you can ask them, at hus- wives, you can ask your husband at home. What did pastor say for those five minutes? Right? So, men. Now, ladies, you can use a similar approach, okay? I, I, I'm speaking to men. So, men, let's talk about women. You know, you look at a woman and she's beautiful. Her beauty hits your eye. And at that moment, if you're not careful, your thoughts begin to wander. Don't look at me like angels. We're all humans, right? (laughs) And if you're not careful, your thoughts can go off into fantasy land. So at that moment, what do you do? Now, there's nothing wrong with admiring beauty. God created beauty to be admired, but not to be lusted after. So there's a difference. You appreciate beauty. The moment you start lusting, you're in sin. So how do you protect your mind? Well, you need the word of God. Proverbs chapter 6. It's in the sermon notes, so please use it. Proverbs chapter 6 verse 25. And you personalize it. You say it like this. I will not lust after her beauty in my heart. Neither will I let her take me with her eyelids. Proverbs 31 verse 3. I will not give my strength to women. Nor my ways to that which destroys kings. Job 31 verse 1. I have made a covenant with my eyes. So I will not look lustfully on a woman. Matthew 5 verse 28, I will not lust after her, neither commit adultery in my heart with her. So, How do you know all these scriptures? Because I also fight the same battles. Amen? So what do you do? You have to have the word of God. Think about pornography. You want to read the news, so you go take the newspaper. And the advertisers know what hits men. So they put scantily clothed women. Don't imagine that. (laughs) They put scantily clothed women on the newspaper. Friend cover. Or if it is on, you know, on social media or on YouTube, you, you want to listen to Harvard Business Review, something very, very intelligent. And then right next to it, something else comes up. Or you want to listen to a sermon. (laughs) <laughs> and then right next to it comes, is a video that's presented that's just, just off in something. So, it's everywhere. What do you do? The word. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 21. I will stay away from all appearance of evil. Psalm 101 verse 3. I will set no unclean thing, no evil thing before my eyes. And 1 Thessalonians 5.23 The God of peace himself sanctifies me completely. My mind, my emotions, my thoughts are holy. Philippians 4 verse 8 Whatever things are true, pure, holy, noble, I will only think on such things. Thank you, the many scriptures. But the point is, When that thought, that idea, whether it's from the devil or from the world, hits your mind. In order for you to resist that temptation, you need to use the word of God. 
a scripture that counters that thought, that idea, that imagine. I've just used two examples. One, uh, you know, uh, for women, uh, lusting after women. I've used one against pornography. But then you need to be prepared with various areas. Whatever area you're facing that battle, you need to have the word of God. And women, now you can open your ears. Same thing. Whatever I told the men, you have to do. Are you listening? Come on, women. (laughs) We've got to use the word of God as our weapon to counter that thought. When a thought of fear comes, God has not given me a spirit of fear. you, you You need the scripture, you need the word of God that counters that particular thought, that counters that particular imagination in your mind. And then speak it, say it whenever you can. You know, if you're by yourself, say it. At least bring it to your mind to counter that thought. Amen? Speak the word. Second, act the word. Means flip the page. Don't look at it. Act the word. What does the word say? The word, you know... Act in line with the word. Don't act in line with that thought. See, the enemy can only plant the thought. He can only throw that idea. He can only put in that imagination. Don't accept it. Don't act in line with it. It will die unproductive. It will die unaccomplished. So, how do we... Act against that thought, always act in line with the word of God. Do what the word says. And that's why we share the word, we teach the word, so that we can learn to live by the word of God all the time. Act according to what Christ has finished for you and me on the cross. Act aligned to who you are in Christ, that you are in him. This is your identity. Act according to what the Holy Spirit empowers you to do. Act aligned to Uh, you know, the word of God. Go and pray because the Bible says, you know, you pray so that you overcome temptation. So do what the word says. Don't do according to that thought or that idea, that imagination. Don't do that. Act according to the word of God. You see, when you and I consistently act according to the word of God, we will never fall into any kind of addiction. Never. You'll not be addicted to anything. Why? Because you've been living by the word. There's no chance for you to fall, to become addicted to any evil thing. Are you listening? So act according to the word. Example. Suppose somebody has not treated you well. You're getting very upset, very angry. And you're thinking in your mind, now your you know, thoughts are coming, all these thoughts coming in your mind. This is the way I'm going to get back to him or her. You know, I'll do this, I will post this on social media, I will do this, I will send them this WhatsApp message, I'll send them this email, whatever, whatever. You know, your mind is overworking. You're going to do all these things. All these thoughts going through. And the devil, you know, is like feeding you more ideas, more schemes in your mind. Revenge. How are you going to do it? And at that time, the Holy Spirit reminds you of the scripture. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with 
good. Overcome evil with good. So while these negative thoughts are coming in your mind to take revenge and thoughts of vengeance and all of that, at that time the word of God counters those, those wrong thoughts. First step. But second, you must act in line with the word. So you pick up the phone. Hello brother. God bless you. <laughs> Inside you're like, oh God. <laughs> Please allow me to take vengeance one time. That's enough. <laughs> Whatever. Doesn't matter how you're feeling. You have to act in line with the word. Do what the word says, whether you feel like it or not. Because we live by faith, not by feelings. Amen? So you do the word. The word says, overcome evil with good. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. Sometimes we want to add to what God repays, but don't do that. Just leave it to God. Overcome evil with good. Do something good. Act the word. Amen? Third, focus on the word. Now why is this important? Because whether we like it or not, the devil is very persistent. Very persistent. And you overcame him yesterday and you think you can take a break today. (laughs) He's back. Your break has not started. And he's back. The same temptation. So persistent. He doesn't quit. And he's not going to quit until everything is over. So, you and I have no choice but to stay focused on the word of God. No choice. You won the battle yesterday. Great. But yesterday is behind you. Today, you still have to stand. Focus on the word. Sometimes the moments that we are most vulnerable are immediately after our greatest victories. You've just won a great victory. And you say, God, five minutes, I let my hair down. You don't know what that means? It's okay. <laughs> five minutes, I just want to take, just relax. Ah, oh, that's your most vulnerable moment. Right after a great victory. So we are most vulnerable after our greatest victories or after our greatest disasters. Both extremes make us very vulnerable. And we have to be on guard in those moments. Because the devil is very persistent. He keeps coming back. Keeps coming back. And so we can never lose focus of the word of God. So always... Stay focused. You know, God told Joshua, don't turn from it to the right or to the left. No, just stay with it all the time. All the time. Stay with it. And lastly, examine everything considering God's word. God's word is truth. Thy word is truth. So whatever thought, whatever idea... How can you know, is it truth or not? You have to examine it with the word. If it aligns to the word of God, okay, you can accept it. Otherwise, be careful. The problem is, like we saw in the temptation of Jesus, the devil himself uses scripture. So this is very tough. 
He also uses scripture. Sometimes he knows the Bible better than us. <laughs> so he also uses scripture and then that makes it even more confusing. And so you need to understand what is the whole counsel of God, the truth. And that's why we need to keep teaching the whole counsel of God so that we as God's people are aware of the truth and we can recognize that the enemy does try to twist the truth. So examine everything, considering the word. Is this right? Is this what Jesus meant? Is this what the word says? Because otherwise, we can be deceived. We believe a lie as though it's the truth. We may believe, we may reject the truth, thinking it's a lie. So, keep your mind safe. Speak the word. Act the word. Focus on the word. Examine everything according to the words. Keep your mind safe. Because both the devil and the world is just bombarding our minds with all kinds of things. And if we don't keep our minds safe, if we are so open-minded that every garbage comes in, our minds become a garbage dump. So don't be open-minded in the wrong sense. You got to guard your mind. Keep your mind safe. It's holy ground. It's your mind which you want to keep in good health for your benefit and for the glory of God and to be a blessing to people. So, you need to keep your mind safe. Worship team, please come. Amen? So what I want to encourage you to do, in whatever area that you are having battles currently, All of us will be facing battles in different areas of life. Whatever area. You say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with this. Find three scriptures. Jesus needed only one. One is enough. But I'm just saying, let's do two better. Let's get three scriptures. On that area, write it down. So we need the word of God. We need, we need it in our heart and in our mind. We need it inside us. Because, you know, we'd be walking around somewhere. You don't have a physical Bible in your hand. You may not be able to know where to go on your Bible app. But if so have it inside you. So memorize it. Or write it down. Keep reading it. Whatever era you are facing a battle right now, find three scriptures. Memorize it. Keep writing it down. Memorize it. And use it. Speak it. Act it. Focus on it. Examine everything in light of it. Think about that. Use the word of God. Against, to keep your mind safe against temptations, accusations, and deceptions. Keep your mind safe. Amen? Let's rise to our feet, please. Take a few moments just to worship God.
God. Father, we just declare your word over your people. That each one of us, God, we are overcomers. Because you said in your word, whoever is born of God overcomes the world. I declare into each each one's life, you're an overcomer. You overcome every temptation. You overcome every scheme of the enemy. You overcome every addiction. You are an overcomer. You are born of God. And you are an overcomer. The devil has no right over you, no claim over you, no place in you, no access to you. You are God's property. Your spirit, your soul, your body belong to God. Your mind, your emotions, your appetites, your affections, your dreams, your hopes, your aspirations, they are consecrated to God. They belong to God. They are holy. And Father, we pray that if any of your children here, God, if they are struggling in any way, or if they have unknowingly got themselves entangled, today, let them be free. Today, because of your word, let the truth set them free. Let them walk out of this place completely free. Free. In the name of Jesus. To live as overcomers. To live as victors. To live above sin and every scheme of the enemy in their lives. So that Lord in our minds and our souls we can be whole. Doing well. Thank you O God. Thank you Father. I declare. That nothing will control us. Nothing will overpower us. Because we are overcomers. And thank you Holy Spirit. That you empower us to crucify the flesh. To crucify ungodly evil desires. We receive the strength of the Spirit. To overcome. To walk victorious. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of holiness. So grace every life with your presence, with your holiness. Let holiness adorn every house here, every temple here. Let the beauty of holiness cover each one here, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. That people will go out of this place completely free, chains broken, delivered by your word and your spirit, walking in victory, in holiness and purity. Thank you, God. Praise you, God. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
Praise your name. Praise your name. Praise your name. Thank you, God. I want to take a moment just to call our life group leaders, our pastors, life group leaders, youth leaders. Can you come and stand here and just face the people? We'll take some time to pray. Uh, life group leaders, pastors, please come. Please stand here. And just face the people. We want to give time just to pray and minister. Youth leaders, please come. If you're up in the balcony, just come. Please stand here. And we're going to have you pray for the people. We're going to sing. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift up our soul to an idol. Come, please come. Anyone else? Our youth leaders. Our life group leaders, pastors, anyone else? Come, please come, please stand here. If you need prayer, you know, we want to make ourselves available just to pray with you. We are just making ourselves available. It's God who does the work. So if you need prayer this morning, feel free to come. You know, we're going to sing. Uh, and uh, just be available to minister to you. The Bible tells us that the anointing breaks the yoke and it removes burdens. There's something powerful about the anointing. The anointing breaks the yoke. What's a yoke? It's some, you know, it's something that's put upon your life that's controlling you. The anointing breaks it. And it removes burdens. Burdens are something heavy put upon you. It's, it's overwhelming you. But the anointing removes burdens. Burdens are lifted. The anointing, meaning the presence of the Holy Spirit. So, as our... Come on, Sharon. As our youth leaders, pastors, life group leaders, pray. Anyone else in the crowd? Pastors, life group leaders, youth leaders, please come and stand here. You're going to pray for the people. Uh, just make yourself available. As you just go to anyone, they'll pray for you. It's not them. We are all earthen vessels. But it's the anointing. The anointing breaks the yoke. Meaning if there's some, a yoke on your life, something that's really controlling you, say, Lord, I'm going to have one of these people pray. And I'm expecting the anointing to break the yoke. I want to, that thing over my life is going to be broken. And burden, some weight, some, something heavy on your life is going to be lifted. Okay? So what I'm going to do is we're going to sing. I'm going to do the benediction so that those who need to leave can be free to leave, be dismissed. But we're going to continue singing. We'll sing, give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. We'll just sing softly. And those who want prayer, now, this is not to make you feel ashamed, but this is a precious moment where somebody could pray for you and you will experience something powerful in your life. Okay, this is not to make you feel ashamed. You just come, receive prayer. Anybody can pray for you here. And I just say, Lord, when they pray for me, I believe the anointing will touch my life. Yokes will be broken, burdens will be removed. Is that okay? I will pronounce a benediction so that those who need to leave can quietly leave. You're welcome to fellowship outside. Just do that. But if you need prayer, take time.
just to come to any one of them. They'll pray for you. Look to God. Let's sing that once and then I'll do the benediction. Give us clean hands. We bow our hearts. We bend our knees. Oh Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil things. Oh Lord, we cast down our idols. So give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Oh, give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Oh, God, let this be a generation that seeks, who seeks your face. generation that seeks, who seeks your face, O God of Jacob. Father, we just ask that there will be mighty deliverances taking place, even as people are prayed and ministered to God. And yokes will be destroyed, burdens will be removed, so that God truly, we can be people clean hands and pure hearts live that way live victorious nothing controlling us nothing overpowering us feel free to come forward for prayer just feel free to come I'm just going to pronounce the benediction so those who need to leave can leave if you need prayer just come don't feel ashamed nobody's taking down your name or anything just come feel free to receive prayer go to anyone anyone here And they will pray for you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God, our Heavenly Father. The sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit. Be with each of us always. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We trust this message was a blessing to you. For more free resources, including sermons, sermon notes and books, please visit apcw.org. For information on APC Bible College in Bangalore, visit apcbiblecollege.org. Do remember to download the All People's Church Bangalore app from the Apple or Google Play Store.